This is another psalm of David. Matthew Henry, the Puritan, he said of this psalm, Children of this world, what it is in their account that makes times bad, and they will tell you, scarcity of money, decay of trade, and the desolations of war make the times bad. But the scriptures lay the badness of times upon a cause other than nature. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, Perilous times shall come, for iniquity shall abound. And that is the thing that David here complains of. David, in this psalm, he lives in a time that is not too different from our own. He sees the moral decay around him. He sees that the godly are few in the society. That they have all but vanished and only a godless nation remains. This is where David finds himself. Proverbs 29.2 says, when the, rich, when the righteous increase, the people rejoice. But that proverb goes on to say, when the wicked rule, the people groan. This is where David finds himself groaning because it is the wicked that are increasing in the land. And tonight there is much that we can learn from this psalm of David. It truly is timeless and it is applicable to our very day. There is truly nothing new under the sun, and David's time is a time where the love of many had grown cold. Sin has abounded, and it is causing the righteous remnant that is left to cry out to God. And it really is not much different than our day. In our day, we see where the wicked have increased in every area of our society, in government, in the church, and at the culture at large. The Word of God is truly profitable for us. And as we look to this psalm tonight, we can see that as our nation decays, we can learn much and apply it to our current day. David here is in the midst of a sinful generation. And he cries out to God here in verse 1. He says, help, O Lord. Or in other words, save me, O Lord. Or deliver me, O Lord. It's a cry to his God for help. David has grown weary of the godless that are around him. He has grown weary of the consequences of such wicked man, men around him, and he is a man in need. He is a man that knows that he cannot change the culture on his own. And so he cries out to God. He, he goes to God in his time of need. He is a man who is dependent on God. His help, it comes from the Lord. His help in the time of trouble is God himself. And so he cries, help, O God. Charles Spurgeon, he makes a few comments on verse 1 for us. He says, The death, departure, or decline of godly men should be a trumpet call for more prayer. When godly men decay, the whole commonwealth will soon go rotten. David, therefore, turns to his all-sufficient helper, the Lord, who is help, whose help is never denied to his servants and whose aid is enough for all of their needs. Tonight, I want to ask you the question, do you have a heart like David does in this psalm? As the, as the wicked have increased in our land, as injustice is on the rise, as our weakest neighbors in this nation are slaughtered, as the church has become 
Much like the world, as our government is known for its tyranny, do we, like David, go to our Lord and cry for help? Do we depend on the Lord in our time of trouble? In verse 2, David starts to let us know the characteristics of the godless that prevail in the nation. He says of them that they utter lies. They utter lies to their neighbors. They have flattering tongues or smooth speech. They speak with a double heart. Since the righteous are few, the wicked have taken over, and so do the lies. Truth in this culture that David lives in is diminished, if not at all lost. And the lie is told. It is what reigns. It is what is common to man. This is what the Bible tells us is at the heart of the godless. They, inter, they utter lies and empty speech. Their words are vanity. Amen. Their words are worthless to his neighbors. Really much like our culture again today. Where falsehood is so constantly spoken. Spoken in the universities, in the political realm, and even in the church today, falsehoods prevail in our culture. The truth is all but lost, and vanity is constantly what is spoken. Each deceptive words. We live in a time where even the existence of truth is questioned. Everything is relative, and people are asking the question, is there anything that is true? Is there such a thing as absolute truth? We live in a culture that tells us that whatever you want to be true can be true to you. That as long as it's your reality, it can be true. All you have to say is it's true for you, and then it is true. Even so-called Christians, they say things like, I believe Christianity is true, but it might not be true for everyone. How absurd is that? Something is either true or false. It can't be in between. If it's true for you, it's got to be true for me. David continues to describe the godless there in verse 2. He says that they have flattering tongues. You could translate it as smooth speech. They speak there with a double heart. That is, they are smooth talkers. And to say that they have a double heart is to say that they are the double-minded man. In other words, they are hypocrites. They are playing the part. David describes the people that give smooth answers. They tell people one thing, but in their hearts, inwardly, they mean something completely different. In their hearts, they have completely different motives for the reason that they speak the lies that they do. They would be like the hypocrites in Jesus' day who played the part while their hearts were far from God. This time of David, as I read this psalm and I studied it, it truly was stunning how similar it was to our day. The Word of God is truly amazing and it is truly timeless. And as I studied this psalm, I saw such similarities to our culture. And it really is telling us that the heart of man has always been desperately sick apart from God. One commentator, he states the similarities. He says this, Our world is like David's. 
We live in an age of unprecedented manipulation through mass communication. The female body is used to sell every imaginable product. And we are assured that we will be sexy, sociable, and successful by purchasing things to enhance our image. Likewise, the church has been concerned about its image in the community rather than the substance of its life. Vanity and flattering lips are not remote even from our pulpits. As research into people's felt needs tell us how to preach motivationally rather than biblically. This is the state of our land where flattering lips run wild. In verse 5, David tells us of the motivation behind the men in, in this society. Behind their flattering lips, why is it that they have a double heart? What is their motivation for their smooth speech and their deception? Well, verse 5 tells us it's because they have devastated the afflicted. They have oppressed the poor or they've done, they have done violence to the poor. They have plundered the poor. They have taken advantage of the weak in the nation. The weak are devastated. This is the motivation behind those smooth, flattering lips. It is typical of sinful man to take advantage of others. For greed, for power, for love of the world, for the desires of the flesh, for the lust of the eyes, and for the pride of life, this is why they did what they did. This is the situation that David finds himself in. Where the society is godless and people would rather tell a lie than the truth. They would rather deceive for their own wicked desires. For their own wicked gain is really what this psalm is teaching us. Psalm 5, it describes a similar people there. In verse 9 it says this, For there is no truth in their mouth. For their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongues. David says here in Psalm chapter 12, verse 3, of those around him, he asks the Lord, he prays to the Lord, may the Lord cut off the flattering lips. Literally, to cut down or to kill, this is what David is asking. He is praying for salvation from such a wicked nation. You might ask the question tonight, why so harsh, David? Well, David knows as Proverbs 6.17 says, that God hates the lying tongue and that godlessness in a nation is destructive to people. It's the opposite of love. To love yourself is having no love for God and no love for neighbor. And God knows right here, and David knows also, that the wicked nation is destroying God's people. Remember, they're doing violence to the poor. And so David goes to God and he prays that God would act. He says, God, may you cut off the flattering lips. He asked that God would free him from the reign of the godless. And as I read this, I cannot help but relate to David. We live in a time where politicians, they use this type of smooth, flattering lies. If you think about it, think about the political season. They promise us everything that you could imagine. 
They promise you free college, free health care, free everything. They promise that all your problems in life, they will be your savior and they will take care of it. But I want to tell you tonight, they're double-hearted, just like the people in this psalm. They have secret motives for power, for wealth. And the result of this extreme godlessness in our nation has been the oppression, the devastation of the weak amongst us. The devastation of children, especially children that are in the womb. The devastation of marriage and family. This is what we see all around us. That these flattering lips, they have secret motives and it is destroying the fabric of our society. For David in this psalm, he had had enough. He was growing weary of the wicked around him. And so he prays to God, please, God, cut them off. And I must admit, I, I, similar, when I look around at the devastation of our culture, of the holocaust of abortion in our land, I pray. I pray, God, please grant this nation repentance. Grant us revival. Grant us your grace, God. But if you don't, please purge this evil. From our land. Please cut them off. David says of their lips in verse 3 that they speak of great things or proud things. That in their speech they have great boasts. Their speech is grandiose. It is proud. It is arrogant. They are blowhards. Verse 4 tells us that this, these godless, they, they think that they will prevail. And they think that they will pre- prevail through their words. And you know what? Our culture should be teaching you something, that words are powerful. And right now, people can scream, they say things with all the emotion, and we will just eat it up and believe it's true. And here... In this Psalm chapter 12, these arrogant people, they think with their words, they will prevail because words, they know that they are powerful. They are so confident in their deception, in their smooth speech, in their power over others through their words that they believe that they will win the day. I want you to hear their arrogance there in verse 4. What do they say? Who is Lord over us? They are claiming to have complete autonomy in their life. That they have no Lord. That is what they are saying. That they believe they have no Lord over them. That they're accountable to no one. They live for themselves and no other. This is their belief. How truly foolish they are. Whether you believe you have a Lord or not, you do. Whether you believe Christ is Lord or not, He is. Whether you deny that Christ is the Lord of Lords, I got news for you tonight. He is your Lord no matter what. And every single one of us will face that Lord someday. He is their Lord and they will give an account to Him no matter if they deny Him all of their days. In verse 5, it says, because the poor are plundered, because the needy groan, the Lord says, I will now arise. I will place them in safety for which he longs. Deliverance is coming at the hand 
of God from these people. And if you read that verse closely, you see that God's judgment is going to come in real time against this godless rebellion, against this godless arrogance. God will arise. God will eventually bring them to ruin. If there is no repentance, if there is no running to Christ in faith, if there is no running to God for forgiveness, then the glorious God will arise and he will bring deliverance. He will bring safety to his people. And I'm going to tell you tonight, you can take this promise to the bank. You can believe the words of God tonight. You can believe that eventually the flattering lips, the the proud boasters who have plotted against God, who have risen against Him, their mouths will eventually be stopped. And He will vindicate His people and He will bring them to safety. I want you tonight to believe this. And God, the Holy Spirit, he, He inspired this psalmist to tell us that we need to believe this. Look at verse 6. It says this, The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace, purified seven times. In other words, you can take this promise to the bank because the words of the Lord are pure words. The psalmist is saying, God will deliver His people because He has said that He will do it. And His words are here. In other words, he's saying there's no falsehood. There's no lying. There's no smooth speech here. There's not a flattering tongue. There's no double-mindedness in God. Amen. There's no arrogant boasting. These are not platitudes that are empty. The words of the Lord are pure words. In other words, the words of God are truth. And really, what we see here is That they are the extreme opposite of the enemies of God in this psalm. His words are the extreme opposite of those others here. David says of the words of God that they're like silver refined in a furnace. Purified seven times. A number that often represents perfection in the Bible. Another way to say, the words of God have no imperfection in them. They are pure, they are infallible, they are inerrant, they are perfect. You can believe the promises of God because He's not a man that can lie. Because the words of the Lord are pure words. Proverbs 30 verse 5 says this, Every word of God proves true. Charles Spurgeon, he commented on this, Verse 6, and he said this, So clear and free from all alloy of error or unfaithfulness is the book of the words of the Lord. The Bible has passed through the furnace of persecution, literary criticism, philosophical doubt, scientific discovery, and it has lost absolutely nothing to those human interpretations. Instead, it's clung to its alloy, to its precious ore. The words of the Lord are pure, perfect. And because they are, you can trust them. You can trust what God has said in his word. You can trust the way that David is trusting right here in this psalm that God will eventually deliver his people. 
That God will save his people from a wicked nation. And ultimately, this is what God does. We see it throughout his word, and we see it throughout history. That in due time, in his time, he delivers his people. When the days look dark, eventually light comes out of the darkness. This is what we have seen throughout history. Verse 8 speaks of those who strut about. It speaks of evil men who strut about. That is to say that they are bold enough. They're no longer ashamed of their evil deeds in their lives. And this is what happens when sin is celebrated in a culture. This is what happens when you have parades about sin. This is what happens when you have parades about what God has called an abomination. About what God has called shameful and unnatural. The wicked strut about. When what verse 8 says, when what is vile is exalted. Really, in other words, what verse 8 is telling us, the culture in David's day had lost its shame. They were shameless. And what was vile was exalted. Evil. That what. That which was shameful was lifted high. You could translate it. Or it was praised. It was honored. Does this sound familiar? It really does. It should to all of us. Does it sound familiar? Right now, in our culture, we have men lying with men and it's praised. We have the shout your abortion murder or shout your abortion movement. In other words, the murder of the innocents is praised. We have films depicting pedophilia in our nation. And it's praise. They're given Oscars for such filth in our nation. Objectification of women, it's honored. It's exalted. It's lifted up. Romans 1.32 comes to mind. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. When dark times come, you can believe that God's judgment will eventually come and that deliverance for His people will also come. You can believe that He will save, He will deliver. And that is what David tells us in verse 7. They believe that God's deliverance was coming. And he says, you, O Lord, you will keep them. You will preserve him from this generation forever. This is the promise of the pure words of the text. And as I said earlier, we see God do this throughout history. When the darkness times come upon the world, eventually light will come out of the darkness. He will preserve his people and we can hope in this. He also, it says here in this text that he doesn't save for a short time. It says that he saves his people, that his salvation is for eternity. He saves to the uttermost. Jesus himself said that the gates of hell would not prevail against his church. And we know that we speak as the New Testament teaches us that he is putting every enemy under his foot. Jesus knows in that were his in John chapter 10, verse 28. He said, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out 
of my hand. This verse 7, Matthew Henry, he gives a great commentary on it saying this, God will secure his chosen remnant. However bad the times are, as long as the world stands, there will be a generation of proud and wicked man. But all God's people are put into the hands of Christ our Savior. They are in His safety, for no one can pluck them out of His hand. Because they are being built on Him, the rock. They are safe in spite of any temptation, in spite of any persecution that will ever come against them. Because they are in Christ Jesus. Tonight I want to finish with this. Verse 4 says, who is master over us? Those men here in the text, they said, who is Lord over us? The answer to that question is Jesus Christ. Whether you have acknowledged it or not, Jesus is Lord over you. No one makes him Lord. He is Lord. And to this Lord, whether you have believed in him or not, you will give an account. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 36, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word that they speak. For every careless lie, for every smooth tongue half-truth, for every arrogant boast, every time you look at someone with a double mind, When you say one thing, but you mean a completely another thing in your heart. When you had secret motives, Christ said, every word that we have spoken will be brought into judgment. Every careless word. You know, as I think about that, I can't even imagine. My own life, my own heart. I can't even imagine standing before God and having Him reveal every single careless word I have ever spoken. I don't even want to think about it. And it is clear in Revelation 21.8 that all liars will have their portion in the, bur- the lake that burns with fire. And I am so grateful tonight that this Lord who is Lord over all is a gracious Lord. That He is a gracious God. That He is a merciful God to the double-minded. That He is a gracious, gracious God to the sinners like me. It's the reason that we sing that song tonight. Amazing grace. Because He is the merciful Lord for all who flee to Him in grace. This Lord who is your Lord, He came to earth. He was born of a virgin. God Himself, the sinless, spotless One, perfect in every way. He went to the cross to die in the place of sinners to be the propitiation of our sins. He was the One who bore our wrath on the cross. This Christ is now exalted. He's been raised to the right hand of the Father. And He is the King. He is the Lord. And He is your Lord. And the Scriptures tell us over and over again, it is Him who you will stand before someday and give an account. Tonight the question is, will you find Him the severe judge of this psalm? Or you find Him the merciful deliverer of this psalm? Really, this psalm tonight laid out that God will either be the judge 
He will either be the warrior who rises up against his enemies, or he will be the merciful, gracious deliverer who plucks his people from danger. I want to urge you tonight to run to Christ in faith. Run to Christ and have all of your sins washed away for all of eternity. Run to Christ and be clothed in His perfect righteousness forever. Find Him as the loving, merciful God who will deliver His people before you face Him as the judge who will arise against you. Please, tonight, trust in Christ and live.